I recently had my birthday and I actually have been thinking about a lot where my life was last year. And in retrospect, I definitely feel like my life is in a much better place now than it was a year ago. For one thing, I didn't have my own apartment. I didn't have my own cuddly kitty cats, even though one of them, yeah, a couple of them ticked me off today because one of them tried scratching me at my cheek. Fortunately, I don't think she left any kind of mark on there, but my other kitty actually got out from my arms, clawed me really hard in the palm of my hand, where I have this nice little line and there was blood and I had to get one of my big band-aids out to actually put on there. So I actually now have a fingerless glove on my hand to try to protect it. And beforehand I had this plastic glove, you know, disposable glove. So if I need to do dishes and things like that, I will be protecting that from the wear and tear of everyday life. But anyway, I remembered stuff I did on my last birthday, which I remember being a hard fought battle because I was working at this immigration firm on Wall Street where the owner was just completely toxic. That's probably the best word I can use, in fact. And I remember that a few days after on my birthday, I think it was like the 26th or the 27th of the month. So it was like six or seven days later. I got this email and I remember what the situation was. I was like, okay, we've been having all these tech issues and you're requiring us to use your laptops to do virtual appearance work. And you're requiring me to be in the open office space where our support staff is working and as part of their jobs, they have to be on the computer. They have to print documents. They have to talk to people on the telephone. And generally the way virtual court appearances work is much like going to regular court, you're doing a lot of sitting and waiting. Sometimes you are sitting and waiting a very long time. So you can't really ask support staff in a law office to stop working for an hour or an hour and a half or even 30 minutes when they've got jobs they need to be doing. They've got clients who expect a response. They've got work to do. The court also has very specific rules about when you do these virtual appearances and where you can do them at. So for instance, you can't like go do, do a virtual appearance in your car. You can't go do them in a space that they don't deem quote unquote professional, including a professional background. So no, you cannot go do these in the middle of an open office space where people are on the telephone and there's the noise of printers and all this stuff. Judges really have an issue about that. And I feel like if you're representing a client, well, when you're doing stuff like that to irk the judge, you're really just screwing over your client. You're screwing over any case that might come up before this judge. You're showing disrespect to the court and many people might argue that it's an ethics complaint waiting to happen. And if you're an attorney, I should note that if you do have an ethics rule filed against you and one of the things of being an employee is that you can't use, oh, my boss said this, oh, my boss told me to do this when you know what court rules are and you know what the standards are. You can't hide behind, oh, my boss told me to do this. So I remember it was quite miserable there and I told people, you know, when I eventually leave this office because I sort of saw it coming, but I didn't exactly know when. In fact, I think shortly earlier on that day, like in the morning, I said, you know, when I'm no longer working at this office, because I was actively job hunting and doing other stuff like that. But I remember I got an email from the owner, which was basically, in my opinion, the email equivalent of slapping me in the face or propositioning me sexually and saying, well, you have to engage in sexual relations with me or you're gone like something egregious and abusive and I just remember I read it I printed it out I showed it to my boss I told everybody in that room I'm out of there I'm not staying for this 
and I had appearances that I had already taken notes on. I had it planned. They were ready to go, could do them the next day. I was even offering to take the files with me and going to the courthouses because I believe one of them, or maybe I think one of them was virtual appearance and the other I had to go in person. And I even volunteered to do that and said I would drop off the files. And my boss was like, oh no, don't do that because the owner was also massively paranoid and got attitude about people taking the files out. Yet when you go to the courthouse, the judges usually like you to have the file on hand so you have familiarity with the case, you have information, especially if you're working at that office that's peering in the case. And particularly if you're the attorney of record and you're the one who has signed the motions and you've done all that stuff. So it'd be needless to say, basically it was an atmosphere that I felt would be impossible for an attorney to do good work in. And I felt that I obviously was not going to be able to do my best work at all. So I went out the door. I didn't even have a plan. It wasn't like, oh, I've got a crap ton of savings. I've got all this money I can live off of. I was just like, no, nah, can't do this. My life's too short. Like what I tolerate for the sake of money, if somebody hit me in the workplace, would I stay, you know, working for Harvey Weinstein? If I didn't have money, would I like let somebody molest me? No. And I would hope that most people in society would not do that shit either. And I think I had a similar mindset and a similar mentality when I had to leave my apartment earlier this year. And basically, I just got out. I didn't really have a specific plan. I didn't have a specific thought there. But it was just like, okay, danger. Get the F out of here. This is not safe for you. This is not going to work. And I think more people should kind of have that survival instinct kicked in, kick in and say, you know what? We're going to figure this out. We're going to do something. But this situation you're in right now, this is not tolerable. This is not bearable. So right now, even though I've been dealing with unemployment, I'm dealing with a little supplemental income, I'm hoping that things are going to happen. It's looking like there's positive opportunity, even though nothing has been truly final yet. I still feel like, man, things are better, even though I had steady income at that other place. I didn't have any missed paychecks. I always get paid direct deposit. And one of the things I did, and I did this again this year, was I ended up getting a massage, although I got a different type of massage this time. And had a really great experience and I thought, you know what, I got to do this more often. I made a vow to myself and it's kind of one of those special birthday things for me, but I felt like God knows I need a massage after working at this really stressful and horrific owner and dealing with that. And I didn't give onus, owner, the, uh, I did not give notice to the owner because I felt like this man did not deserve notice. However, anybody else I was working with, they had notice. They knew what was going on. They saw things around them. So I felt like, you know what, people need to be out the door. And I found out shortly after I left, another attorney who had just started left. Then one of my clients who had given me a positive review online ended up leaving shortly after I did, apparently left because of my absence. I had positive interaction with the clients I had worked with. I pretty much did tell them I was leaving, that it wasn't their fault. And I told them who they needed to talk to afterwards. I filed my grievance complaint because it was absolutely necessary and apparently it's still pending. I don't know what's going on with it now. I haven't heard anything further. But I still think to myself, I really regret that I did not, I did not play that clip from Office Space of that song, Take This Job and Shove It with Cannabis and Bismarcky. I still regret this. I should ask my former boss there who apparently later left and I'm so glad he did. Apparently he told me in August he had left. So I'm like, thank you, Jesus. I was terribly concerned that this guy was going to be stuck based on money, based on regularity. I felt like because this guy has a house, this guy's got a small child, he might be trapped there. 
and he was managing attorneys, so the ethics committee would expect even more from him, even though the owner wasn't even letting him do his job properly. Like he wasn't really giving him autonomy. John Taffer would describe that as being a stupid visor. And in fact, I actually told people at that office that that's what I was seeing and that's what I was observing. So I still regret not having done that. And by the way, for those of you who have not seen Office Space, that's pretty much what this podcast is going to be going into, the movie Office Space. So this was a movie by Mike Judge. It came out in 1998. And I remember seeing it a few times in college. And it seemed like at one point, every single person in my life had seen this movie and they were raving about this movie. I know, for instance, my mother was watching it on Comedy Central one day, so, you know, they put it, they have it cut when it's on basic cable. And there's an inter- there's a section where one of the employees is talking with the consultants, and they're asking this guy, what is your job? And my mom's like, this is like working at UPS. They ask you this all the time. And in fact, I went to a party, and this guy I was seeing, and I think some other friends of his were mentioning the movie Office Space and how great it was. Then later on, I was dating a different, I was actually dating this other guy, and he told me that his life was like the main character's pre-revelation in office space. And I even went to a lecture for one of my classes in college, and one of the professors mentioned that movie. So, so many people were watching this movie, and it was like so many people from like parents, professors, peers, boyfriends, were seeing this movie, they raved about this movie. And for those of you who have not seen it, I am begging you to see this movie. Because basically a lot of you, and I think people that really hate their jobs, you're definitely going to relate to this movie. It also has Jennifer Aniston during her time on Friends. So that's another big selling point. But basically, I'll give you some of the premise of the movie, but I don't want to spoil the ending or anything. But basically it's about this guy named Peter, who really, really hates his job and basically is terrified that he's... Basically, he's not, he's a little concerned about paying bills and all that stuff initially. And he's like, I hope Lumberg's not going to make me work on the weekend. And he's trying to get out of all this stuff. And basically, he's like, I just really hate my job. And he has the waitress that he likes, but he's too shy to ask her out. And there's two other people that work there, including Samir. He's very much a rage guy. Like, I remember there's a scene where they're sitting in traffic. That's like the opener of the movie. And while he's sitting in traffic, Samir's basically, you can see him like screaming and ranting and doing all this. I'm like, that's like me driving in a major city. That was like me in Atlanta when I had to sit on 85 traffic. That was me. Or there's the guy, Michael Bolton. And yes, his character's name is Michael Bolton. And he's basically this rap aficionado. So he's listening to gangster rap while he's in his car sitting in the traffic. But then this black guy selling flowers walks by and he locks his door and he turns down the volume. And he's like singing along happily with the rap initially, but then he's not, he's kind of muttering it as this guy goes by. And then you could see the cubicle spaces and you could see some of that experience. And I kind of feel like, yeah, some of that stuff you could tell it's a different time. But I think the general premise of the movie and sort of the aspects of it and the lessons of it definitely hold up today. Like sort of this idea of no, you should not let people abuse you and you should eventually tell them if you have to take this job and shove it. And I find it awesome during the scene where he's gone through the hypnosis and he's like, you know what, I just don't give enough anymore. So these consultants have come in and everybody's terrified they're going to lose their jobs. And as one, as I think the Michael Bolton character describes it, you're basically interviewing for your own job. And they're going to cut people off and they're figuring out how how they're going to trim the fat. 
So basically at this point, Peter's like, you know what? I don't give an F. So at one point he shows up and he's got fish he's gutting over these TPS reports where he's been hassled by all these people to do the TPS reports. And why don't you have the cover sheet on there? And he goes in there and meets with the consultants and his basic attitude is, you know what? I've got eight different bosses right now. And the only reason I do my job is because I don't want these eight people coming after me if I don't do it. But he's like, if I work my hardest and I break my butt, this guy, my boss's stock goes up a quarter of a point, but I get absolutely nothing. So why am I doing it? He's very candid. He's very direct. And then these consultants decide they're going to promote him. But then the other people that are actually trying to impress these consultants and they're trying to make this good impression and they're living in fear of losing their jobs, these people get laid off. So I find that an interesting dichotomy to see, including... And including the Michael Bolton character. I mean, he goes in there and the consultants are apparently big Michael Bolton fans. Meanwhile, this guy is like, no, this name used to be fine. But now I get asked about being related to him. And everybody thinks I love his music, even though he's this rap guy. And he basically refers to Michael Bolton as that no talent ass clown. Which, some of the best lines in this movie, there's like great stuff in it, let me tell you. Like, I couldn't even give you a synopsis and make it compare to seeing this movie. But basically at the <laughs> but yeah, basically at the end of the movie, it's like, yeah, we should all hope we're going to do some of this stuff. And we should try to, I don't know, we should try to hope we could get away with some of these things. And it's just kind of very interesting. And you see that experience. And I'm like, damn it, I wish I should. I wish I had sent that clip from YouTube of that song. Because that would have summed up my feelings so perfectly about all that stuff. So this is Cannabis and Bismarcky's version. I know there's the older one, but... Basically, it's the Shove This J-O-B, and it's from the movie Office Space. And I'm trying to remember where it's at. I know I saw it on Hulu, but there's also getting DVDs. There's, you know, you can find this movie. But see this movie. Seriously, if you've not seen it, see it. Like, I remember when I was working at the first law firm I worked at before I ever went to law school, and they wanted to move my office, like my little cube area where I was sitting. I think they wanted me to sit in like half a big cube that they had split up. I'm like, just don't move me to the basement and ask me to kill bugs. And nobody really knew what I was talking about. I'm like, it's from the movie Office Space. It's a reference to that because there's a there's this other character named Milton. And he's like this socially awkward kind of dumpy character. And at one point he gets moved to the basement and Lumberg, the evil boss, is asking him to spray for the roaches. And you don't want to know what Milton does in the end. I'm not going to tell you about that. But let's just say Milton's got a lot of stuff that you just do not see initially in this character. And basically, don't F with Milton. That's another lesson. Don't F with those people. Like, don't F with the person that looks like they're the dumpy guy. They're the dumpy person. They're quiet. They're sort of socially awkward. Maybe don't F with them. And I think a smart person realizes this, especially in the years of shootings and all this crazy stuff. And in fact, man, I was just commenting to somebody today who had berated somebody else for having problems and feeling bad about their job situation. Well, apparently her husband was working and I think she had a family, but she also was worried about not being able to find a job and potentially losing her work visa and having to go back to her home country. And this person was like, oh, well, there's other people who have these worse situations and all this. And I'm like, so are you deriding this person for having problems? Are you trying to shame her for this? Because if you're trying to shame people for that, this is how we get mass shootings. And we have horrible stuff happen because you basically made these people feel that they have to be strong. They've got to be a good little soldier, develop this tough persona. 
and that because they're not the most pitiful person in the world, they're not worthy of help. That they don't have a problem in your world and that because they've not lost all of their appendages or they're not dealing with six screaming children who are starving or living in a dirt hut or something, I don't know. But basically because they're not pitiful enough to you, they don't have problems. And that's really not a good way to live and it's not a good mentality to have. I was actually reading this Humans of New York story about a person who had recently became, I think he recently had become physically disabled. And he was talking about how he was not the type of person who liked going and asking for help from people. And he was trying to learn how to do that. And he felt like he didn't need to do that, but he tried to help other people. And one person was saying, you know, you shouldn't feel too proud to accept help. You don't need to put your ego in front of it and that every one of us needs help. And I'm like, that's definitely very true that some people sort of feel like you are Superman or you're Superwoman. That if you have a professional job or you get, I don't know, if you get some certain level of income or you have things happen where people feel like you're not pitiful or you carry yourself in a way that doesn't make yourself look pitiful and sad and like a victim, people tend to believe that you are Superman or you're Superwoman and you never need anybody's help. But I'd say that's not really true in you know, eventually people crack from that stuff. And I even said that. I was like, people eventually crack from that sort of thing. And that's how they end up getting into mass shootings and doing horrible things to people and committing these terrible crimes. Do we want this? No. I think we need to encourage people to actually speak about their troubles. We need to actually be supportive of that and respect that. Just my two cents. But anyhow, I think office space, even today, and probably even especially today, is just such a wonderful and relevant piece. Because I think that even if you are somebody who, oh, I don't have a backup plan or all this, you definitely need to get out of things if they are harming your mental health. You should not be subjecting yourself to those environments. Don't let people call you names. You don't need to let people denigrate you, do all kinds of stuff, whatever that is. Unfortunately, the people in this movie weren't dealing with some of the workplace shit that we hear about people dealing with. Like at least nobody was being subjected to racial slurs. Nobody was being told, oh, you got to sleep with me or you can't keep your job or having to deal with that innuendo. We weren't dealing with people getting threatened with termination or any of that for who knows what else. We weren't having people asked to violate their own ethical duties somewhere. But at the same time, I still think, you know, a problem's a problem and that people should take you seriously in the workplace and that we need to have respect for work-life balance. Yes. That definitely will argue the case of work-life balance because he's like, you know what, I'm going fishing out of... F these people making me work on the weekends. Screw them. But I think they would definitely argue for work-life balance. It would argue for all sorts of things, I think. <laughs> but I find it funny that it's like eventually in this movie where he just doesn't give an F anymore. That's when he starts getting promoted and he gets all this stuff. And he's just like knocks down his cubicle wall so he can see the sunshine. And later on, he ends up working in an entirely different field where he does get to be outside in the fresh air and he enjoys it. So... I like to hope eventually we all tend to find our bliss and that we find our peace and find the things that we want to do. Because honestly, I felt like that when I've worked in business and kind of had a leadership role and it was kind of funny in the last job, people kind of viewed me as a leader, even though I didn't have the title. But I'm like, I come from the business world, not the law firm world. And if people don't want to be here, I don't want them to be here. I don't want them to be miserable. I don't want people being abused in a workplace because guess what? If they're being abused there, they're not going to care about giving their best. They're not going to do that job. You're just hassling them and you're berating them. That's not how you're going to motivate them. And if they're unhappy, they don't need to be there. Because that's just making them miserable and it's going to 
affect their work. It's going to affect everybody else. So why would you want to support that? But check out Office Space. I am serious. If you've not seen it, watch it.